You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, good morning, everyone. I pray you're doing well. What a blessed day it is. Um, I'm excited about our time today as we continue our study through the book of Jonah. It's always a privilege each morning to gather together to open God's Word and study the Word of God together to see what it is that He is going to teach us today. And as we work through uh, Jonah, this third part uh, will, I believe, be a challenge to each one of us as well as the first two parts. And so if you're Joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you. It's always a privilege to have newcomers. We keep the chat muted um, so there's no uh, distractions during the message. And so I pray you'll be blessed with our time today and encouraged through the preaching of God's Word. And so let's go ahead and open up in prayer, and then we'll jump right in. We've got a lot on the, our plate today, and so let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, today. We thank you for our time together. We pray you bless this study as we look at the book of Jonah um, for the third week. God, pray you use it to transform our lives, that you would continue to grow us in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for these things, and we ask them in Christ's name. Amen. Well, again, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And for those that are back, we love you. We appreciate you and your support, and we're glad to have you as always. It's a privilege to grow together in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, as a brief recap, um, from week to week, we have continued our study through the book of Jonah. Last week, we looked at the efforts of running from God, and we spoke about when we do run from God, um, we saw that we could have difficulties, that we could become drowsy and tired, and finally we looked at that how running from God could even allow us to become deceptive. And when we looked at that, we saw that God spoke to Jonah, called him to preach uh, against Nineveh. But instead of following what the Lord had called him to do, he insisted on booking a trip in the opposite direction where God had commanded him to go. And so we see him running in his disobedience. We've looked at these four parts um, of the book of Jonah, really divided up into four uh, main sections that you'll find as a, as a help, I think. And that was, number one, we see Jonah on dry land disobeying God. Uh, chapter 1, four, verse 4 to 17, we see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. And then in uh, chapter 2, uh, to Verse 10, we see Jonah under the sea pleading with God. And then chapters 3 and 4, Jonah back on land obeying God. And so today our study will continue with Jonah on the sea fighting with God. And so let's jump right in. Turn with me, if you will, to Jonah chapter 1, verses 10 to 17. Then the men became extremely frightened. And they said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, but because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said to them, Pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, and for I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rowed desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. Verse 15, so they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows 
And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. As I studied this text and really tried to understand what was happening here, um, trying to grasp what is the big picture, I came up with the fact that everyone is trying to do things in their own way. You got Jonah not wanting to do as God has told him to do, running in the wrong direction. You have the sailors praying to these false gods, cleaning the ship off of its cargo so that the boat would stay afloat. And there continues to be a, a widespread idea in this narrative of people simply not doing what they are told. And now everyone is suffering the consequences. Does that sound familiar, friends? We learned last week that running from God can cause difficulties, drowsiness, and deception. And here in our text, we still see many of those things happening. The storm is raging, and there are still hints of deception, not only from Jonah, but also those, these sailors, these men on the boat. But it's all about to come to an end. Running is about to stop. And doing things on their own is about to be brought to a halt. The consequences are about to unfold of the decisions that Jonah has made and these sailors have made. And we need to perk our ears up and listen and learn from their mistakes. So that by God's grace, he can help us in our times of trouble. In our times in which we want to run. Several years ago, when I was still in the construction business, I was running several projects, one fairly large project, which involved moving over a million yards of dirt a year. I was digging lagoons and building roads and getting lots ready for the builders to build homes. It was a very extensive work. Now, I was a general superintendent of the project and was in charge of what happened on that site. I had several employees that I was in charge of to make sure that the project ran complete and efficient and effectively uh, to where the company for which I worked for would make the most bang for their buck. I had a boss that was over me and instructed me in what he wanted done and how things were to run. And though I didn't always agree with what he thought was the right things to do, needless to say, he was my boss, and it was my job to do things his way. The same thing goes for my workers. <laughs> they may not have agreed with the instructions that I had given to them, but I was their boss. They should have been willing to submit to the authority that it was given to me. Otherwise, they would be finding themselves another job. Just as if I failed to do my job, I would as well. We were on one of the last cuts in a very large lagoon. And once the dirt was loaded out, we would be complete. And so I instructed my guy to do this in a certain way so that when we were finished, we were finished and we could continue on to another area. That day, I, I remember it well because this was the day that, that my men decided that they were going to do things their own way. They didn't do as I had instructed them to do, which I had been instructed to do. They did it in a way that was fitting to them. God instructs us to do things a certain way. And many times when we are given those things by God to do things God's ways, 
we can sometimes go out on our own way. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, have we gone on our own way today? Are we doing things the way we desire, the way we please, and rather than obeying what God has given us to do in his living and active word? Well, if there are a few things that I want you to get out of this message today, it will be things that will help you get back to doing things God's way. Could there be more? Of course, there could be. But what we are going to look at today are a few things that that have been impressed on my heart that I have observed from the text. And these things are first, that we need to develop a healthy fear of God. We need to uh, develop a healthy fear of God. Secondly, we need to develop a healthy reliability on God. And lastly, we need to develop a healthy worship of God. That brings us to our first thought. The fact that we need to develop a healthy fear of God. Right here in verse 10, we begin to see this take place. Men becoming fearful of God. Then the men became exceedingly frightened, verse 10. And they said, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Our first word here in this passage really tips us off that these that the fear these men had came from something before verse 10. L- listen, the reality is, is when I was in college, I hit a baseball, then it went out of the park. It, when you walk into a room, you turn the light switch on, the power comes on, and the lights come on. Th- then there is a connection that takes place. And there is a connection given to us in the previous verse. So let's review what it's talking about. They had just finished casting lots to find out who it was that was causing this great storm. And the lots fell on Jonah. So if you remember, they gave Jonah the third degree, asking him all kinds of questions. What do you do? Where are you from? And what people are you from? All And, and this, was, uh, this was their statement that cast fear in their hearts. In verse 9, he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the God, the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then it says, Then the men became extremely frightened. Why is it that here these men have become extremely frightened? I would have to think that maybe they've heard of this God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Hebrew God. I mean, this these men are most likely in the 8th century B.C., and here we are in 2021 talking about this big G God, you can beat that even these, I mean, you can bet that the even these pagans have heard of all that this God has done throughout the history of humanity, throughout the Exodus, and now they are dealing with this man running from this big G God. They are frightened because he is the God that has made the sea and the dry land. And if he made it, he controls it. They keep getting closer and closer and closer to the reality of the one true God. Verse 5, if you remember, told us that they became afraid. And now they have become extremely frightened. Why? Because they know of his God. And though it seems they worship other gods, there is this reality they have a reverence 
for the God that created all things, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry lands. Listen, I want you to have a healthy fear of God. We need to develop this healthy fear of God because it's important. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. You want to be a wise person. Begins with a healthy fear of God. Does God truly exist to you? Or is he just a figment of your imagination? Someone you run to in your times of trouble, in your times of need. When I tell you God answers prayers, when God speaks to us through his living and active word, when God allows us to go through trials in life and maybe even puts us in the middle of storms, we need to be reminded that we should have a healthy fear of God. Look, I know many don't understand what it means to fear the Lord, but the Bible is full of places that tells us to fear God. Colossians 3.22, Obey your masters in singleness of heart, fearing the Lord. Proverbs 15.33, The fear of the Lord teaches one wisdom. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Psalm 112, 1, Psalm 128, 1, Psalm 128, 4. Exodus 3, 6 says Moses was afraid to look at God. Isaiah 13, 6, 8, at the day of the Lord, men will be terrified. 1 Chronicles 16.25 and Psalm 96.4, He is to be feared above all gods. Jeremiah 32.40, I will put the fear of me in their hearts. Romans 11.20, and he says, Fear lest God not spare you. Zephaniah 3.7, Surely the fear of the Lord is important. Fear me and accept instruction. Nehemiah 5, 9, walk in the fear of God. I could go on and on and on. But the biggest question we need to come to grips with this morning is, do you fear God? Or is God your homeboy? Is God your buddy? You see, we have developed a false reality of who God is. We have focused on the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God so much that we have eliminated His all-power, sovereign ability in the lives of humanity from whom He created, and thus He controls, and He is Almighty God and is to be feared with a reverence and in all of who He is. We need to develop a healthy fear of God. Christians all across the world have no fear of God, and their actions show it. You know, we had a, an event coming up in our community this weekend, a gay pride event. And, you know, I posted something because not only is do, do I think that it is a perversion against God's creation and His order in which He created a man and a woman, but I also think it's perverted that they would have drag queens reading to children in my own hometown. And thus I'm going to speak out against it. But in speaking out against it, can you believe the audacity and the inerrant nonsense that Christians would call me down because I've stood up against that which God calls an abomination? Who's the abomination? That which good is good and that which is evil is evil and woe is to those who call evil good and good evil. We have become a sissified Christian nation that is unwilling to stand against that which 
which God calls sin. And sin is sin, my friend. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. I don't care your net worth. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is to stand on the truth of God's word. And that, my friends, is love. And love is to give biblical advice in the face of public sin. You want to advertise for a pride event? I'm going to stand against it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that I hate the people. I hate the sin because God hates the sin. And when you become closer and closer in your relationship to God, you too, my friend, will hate sin even more. But you know what? A lot of you Christians have surrounded yourself with people who tickle your ears. And you got pastors who are sissies, who won't stand up for the truth of God's word. Why? Because they want to grow their numbers. I don't care one lickety split about numbers. Numbers mean nothing to me. God says, I will build my church, not Stuart Guthrie. I'm not going to stand beside you so I can gain numbers from you. I'm not going to agree with you so I can get people to come to my channel. I'm not going to do anything for anybody to gain numbers because I'm not in the number game, my friend. I'm in it to preach the truth of God's word. And when God says it's a sin, I don't care who you are, my friend. It's a sin, and you ought to call it what it is. Stop backpedaling on what is true. Truth is always true, will always be true, no matter who agrees with it or disagrees with it. You need a healthy fear of God. And when you develop that healthy fear of God, you will begin to change your life. And people will see the change, and they may not like it. They treat God as if he's some genie in a bottle, some Santa Claus Jesus, some Santa Claus God. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. As long as things are going well, as long as there are no storms, we just want to lie asleep like Jonah in the bottom of the boat. No, we need to fear God because God, again, is not your homie. Saw that on a shirt. God is God. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is a God of love, but not forget he is a God of wrath, and he will come back one day, and he will pour out his righteous judgment onto those who do not believe God and who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. See what Job thinks of God. Pharaoh and those that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, this is the God we worship. And these men right here are beginning to develop a healthy fear of God. Why? Because of the storms in their lives. You and I, as we walk through life, will encounter trials and storms. But in those storms and in those difficulties, we will, because of our necessity to understand what it is we are walking through, will begin to develop a healthy fear of God. And that's why he can say, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result. Why? So that you, the one who doesn't fear God, will be made perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. And maybe through those situations, you and I will develop a healthy fear of God. Because let me tell you what will draw you closer to the reality to fear God. That is the face of death. The face of death will draw your face to the reality of who God is. These men right here are beginning to develop a healthy fear of God. How could you do this, Jonah? They were afraid that they too now would be involved in a very divine punishment for Jonah's crime against running from God. That is an awful thing to do, you could say. They realized that this God was one you don't play with. And now it's becoming more and more real right before their eyes. <laughs> Point the finger, guys. Blame Jonah as if you didn't know 
he was running from God. It's his fault. You're the cause. But the ball is in their court as well. Why? Because the text says, for the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. No, Jonah, it, what, what, it, he was really made himself look like a fool. Really, this is the result of backsliding. You want to run? You want to backside believer? Remember, the boat is waiting. And you may even buy the ticket. Things sometimes seemingly work well in the beginning when we start running from God. But for the believer, God wants us to have a healthy fear of Him, and ultimately He is sovereign, and so He will accomplish His grander purpose for your life. So if you want to run, be weary, because before long you will encounter the trials and the storms of life to point you back to what you know to be right. And so here in verse 11, they said to him, what should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. Jonah, you're the cause. Now give us the solution to the problem. We are fearful for our lives fearful of this God, and the sea is not getting any better. A matter of fact, it's getting worse and worse. And since Jonah knew what had happened to cause the storm, this should give him the qualification to recommend a solution to the problem. And so he said to them, pick me up, <laughs> throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. Sometimes, my friends, we are the sailors, and sometimes we are the Jonas. Can I give you an example? The sailors would be those who know that it's wrong and give hearty approval. Jonah would be the one who knows is wrong and yet in his own desire disobeys God. Both are equally wrong. Sometimes you're the sailor and sometimes you are Jonah. Where are you today? Who are you playing? What part are you playing? Here, Jonah concludes that human sacrifice is the only solution to make this storm calm from its raging. Listen, this may not be a type, it may be even allegorical, but I am reminded that through this man, Jonah, a man named Jesus Christ gave up his life. Jonah is the only solution to this problem, the raging seas. And listen to me very clearly, Christ is the only solution to the raging wrath of God that you are living in and that you are headed to. The wrath of God, my friends, is to be feared, and Jesus Christ is to be embraced to remove us from this wrath of God. Why? Because he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? The wrath of God, my friends, was poured out on Jesus Christ at Calvary. Jonah has given them the solution to the problem. Throw me overboard. It's my fault, Jonah says. I know because of my sin, this storm has come upon you. He has admitted to being the cause. And in the midst of Jonah's running, God is using it to build a healthy fear in these men. You and I need to develop a healthy fear of God because he tells us to. And when we do, we will have lives that will show reverence in all of God and we will develop a healthy fear of the Lord.
And when you have a healthy fear of God, you won't stand for public sin. You'll call it out. Now, notice I didn't say you might spread it all over social media. Some people need to study what slander is. Some people need to zip their lips because they don't have a clue in what they're talking about. But a healthy fear of God will cause us to stand up for truth in the midst of sin. But while we need to learn a healthy fear of God, secondly, we need to develop a healthy reliability on God. Jonah has told them, throw, throw me overboard and the sea will become calm for you. Here's the solution, guys. But I wonder if these men are struggling with this. I mean, think about it. They're wanting this guy to die. Throw me overboard. That's going to kill him. I mean, you do remember that Jonah told these men that he was fleeing from the Lord. But they still let him on the boat. And I wonder if they feel some kind of personal responsibility to get this prophet back to shore. You know, that will preach. Because when you let sin in your door, many times you will defend the sin because you let it in the door. And you feel some kind of personal responsibility. However, the men rode desperately, verse 13, to return to the land, but they could not. For the sea was becoming even stormier against them. The key word here is however. I told my men, what to do. <laughs> However, my workers should have had a healthy respect and reverence uh, for me being their balls. Th that in any moment I could fire them. My men should have had a healthy reliability on me. Though I am not God, I was their boss. And by relying on me, what I have instructed them to do, they remain safe and secure in their job because they are only doing what I have told them to do. But if you get out there on your own, and you start trying to be the boss, and you start trying to do things in your own way, then you stand a chance of walking into the storms or being fired. And as we live in 2021, we have a bunch of people running around like a chicken with their head cut off. And they're spending astronomical resources on things that will never fix the problems of this world. And they're spending astronomical amounts of time for which they will give an account to Almighty God for which will never fix the problems that they're trying to solve. They will spend time taking drop, Q drops and trying to decipher the secret hidden agenda of the government. And they will spend countless hours rather than studying the Word of God and knowing that the end is in sight, my friends. Jesus is coming back. And when He comes back, He will come back with all authority and power, and it will be too late for anyone who has never put their faith in Jesus Christ. What better opportunity has God granted to you and to me today than to preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Souls are at stake, my friend. But if I'm going to be honest, most of us in this chat today have never personally shared our faith with another person. But I bet you've posted a bunch on the political problems of our day. Why is it? I mean, if we understand that when the gospel goes forth, then he will come. 
But we have a job to preach the gospel. We have to stop trying to do things our own way. Coming up with our own theories. Because all of that in the end is meaningless in light of eternity. You will never fix this world, friends, because this is the devil's playground. And if there's more going down, then there's less going up. And if we are a democracy for which we, the people, get to choose, there's more bad than there's good, and therefore there's more evil than there is good, because this, again, is the devil's world. He is the prince of the power of the air. Now, God always uses the small things to gain glory. Doesn't mean we don't pray. Doesn't mean we don't stand up for truth. But boy, we ought to have to keep it in this proper perspective. We got to stop trying to do things our way. You want to save the world? Do you really? You want your children to grow up in a, in a world that honors God, that loves the Lord, that respects women, that respects men, that stands on the truth of Scripture, that doesn't support abortion and homosexuality and all of the other things that Scripture says are sinful. You want to fix that? Can I just maybe give you a little insight? Your political people aren't going to fix the problem. There ain't no president. There ain't no governor. There ain't no anything that will fix that problem apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Throughout history, the gospel has always changed the world because when the gospel is preached and hearts are changed, there is real life change. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when your mind is renewed, you will see sin for sin, and you will see evil for evil, and you will stand up for that which is true. You want to change the world? Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Because when the gospels preach, the unfolding effects of it will be personal change, heart change, death to light, and from the power of Satan to God. That's what we need in this nation. We need a bunch of 43 people who love Jesus Christ going into these channels and infiltrating it with the hope of Christ. Rather, what we find as I meander through on so many channels is blasphemy against God. And yet we think it's going to help and change the world. <laughs> oh, boy. Talk about doing things our own way. I listen to a guy spew out of his mouth, heretical, unbiblical heresy. And you know what? Some of you are in that channel listening. Why in the world would any of you listen to that garbage? Stop it. The Lord is to be feared. He is to be revered. And you would listen to a man blaspheme the name of God? Stop doing things your own way. Maybe what we need to do is cut off the phones. Get off the computer. Read our Bible. Stop listening to everybody who has a voice. 
because I can tell you some of the grandest platforms on Telegram are the most heretical platforms. Well, Stuart, your channel isn't growing. Good! Praise God! Because I don't want all that mess on my channel. Because I love the people in this channel, and I care about their soul, and I'm not going to let poison drip into their ears. You want to believe Q, go chase him down the street. You want to go believe in some higher verbal vibrations and positive thinking and prosperity gospel, then go find that channel. But you ain't going to get it here, my friend. You ain't going to get it here. And the best thing that many of us should do is shut our ears, run from the false teaching, because we have elevated idiots to a high level of platforms who know not the Word of God nor the things of God, and they certainly don't have a relationship with God Almighty, because if they did, they would not blaspheme His name. What we need to do is start running from those things and running to God. These men are in the face of storms. We are in the face of a storm. And we need to be reminded, we need to rely on God. They wanted to save Jonah. They wanted to get him back to land. But this prophet of God has given them the instructions on what they are to do. However, they make plans to do it another way. And the sea just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. You want to know why this nation keeps getting worse and worse and worse? Because we got a bunch of people running around, bouncing off of everything, trying to fix the problem in their own way. Just like these men. This is God's doing. Jonah is God's man, and when God's man tells these men what they will are to do to bring safety, they fail to obey again. They don't know God like Jonah knows God. These are pagans learning the hard way about who God really is. But after trying with everything that they have within them, rowing this man back to the shore, because that seems like the right thing to do. And when you read the word here, row in the Hebrew literally means to dig. It gives the idea that they are, that they are digging, that they are pedaling, that they are paddling with every bit of strength within their soul. They are digging those oars into the water as hard as they can. But remember, running can make you drowsy. They are beat tired. They realize this ain't going to fix the problem. Those men don't know like God like we know God. They are finding out more and more about God as this trip continues. We need to have a healthy reliability on God and His instructions. But here, no one's following the directions. God has a way. And whatever that way is to get you back into the fold, into the will of God, it will come to pass. Because God is sovereign. It's God's will that these men follow the directions of this prophet. And so now they're going to have to make a decision. We let the man into our boat. And the man we let into our boat is the man that now must depart from this boat. And so what do they do? Verse 14, they call on the Lord and said, Earnestly we pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. And do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done as you've pleased. God, you are in control. You are the one in control here. Don't let the death of this man be on our shoulders. They're praying because they understand that by Old Testament law, shedding innocent blood was not good. 
another prophet, Jeremiah, warned Judah's officials about this danger of shedding innocent blood in Jeremiah 26, 10 to 15. Proverbs 6, 16 tells us there are six things that God hates, seven, which is an abomination to him. And in verse 17, he says, hands that shed innocent blood. They didn't want this on them. So they cry out to Jonah's Lord. You have done as you have pleased, they said. As if the throwing Jonah over would be an act of God himself. They finally come to where Jonah has brought them. That human sacrifice is the only solution to the problem. Listen, I hope you today come to the understanding that believing in Jesus Christ is the only solution to your problem. While it was hard for these men to throw Jonah over, they had to get rid of the problem. Some of us this morning, we're here, we're listening, we have problems in our lives, and we need to get rid of the problems. But we have let them in the boat. We've brought the problems in our boat, but now it's time to get rid of them. What is it in your life that has become the sin issue? Look, it doesn't matter how hard it is. You must get rid of the problems that you have allowed into your life. And so they picked up Jonah, and they threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. I want you to make one intrinsic observation from the text. Why didn't Jonah just jump overboard? If Jonah knew that the solution to saving these men's lives was for him to be tossed into the sea. Why didn't he just jump overboard? He makes them throw him overboard. But let me remind you of one simple truth here. This is the difference between man and God. Jonah knew the solution to the problem. He was just unwilling to do it on his own. God, in the very beginning of time, knew there in that garden that Adam and Eve would eat of that forbidden fruit and that the wages of sin would be death and that the only solution to man's broken relationship with God would be that God would send His Son into the world who would live a perfect sinless life and be crucified, buried, and rose again from the dead. But listen to me. Jesus did it willingly, sufficiently, and obediently. He didn't have to have someone throw him on the cross. No, he willingly went to the cross. And he did that for you and for me, to those that would put their faith in Jesus Christ. You didn't have to do anything but put your faith in Christ. These men picked up Jonah. And they threw him into the sea. They obeyed him. And the sea stopped its raging. Listen, relying on God will calm the storms of your life. <laughs> you need to pick up Jesus and accept him and believe the gospel so that he will forgive you of your sins. You may not uh, be able to get out from underneath the things of your life. but God can deliver you. I'm reminded of Jesus sleeping in the boat in the middle of a storm. They're scared for their lives, these disciples. 
and they wake Jesus up. Master, Lord, are you just going to let us die? And he calms the sea. It, it, it is forced to flatness. This is what happens here. In the same response, they worshiped God. Remember when he calms the sea to his disciples, they even said, who is this man that the waves and the wind obey his voice? You have one option when you come face to face with the reality of who God is, and that is to worship him. What is it? that you are keeping in your boat? What sin have you tucked away? What TV show, what cable channel, what fancy things, on, and what on your cell phone, your job, you men, you women, boyfriend, girlfriend, toys, Xbox, weed, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. What is it you have invited into your ship? It's time to get rid of it, friends. Maybe you have brought someone into your boat because they tickle your ears. Because they promise you all of the things of this world, happiness, freedom. What is it you need to get rid of? so that you can see God work and worship Him. Because as long as we try to maintain things in our own way, we will not build a healthy reliability on God. These men finally relied on God and removed Jonah from the boat. We need to develop a healthy fear of God. We need to develop a healthy reliability on God. But lastly, we need to develop a healthy worship of God. The, the, the text says in verse 16, Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Verse 5 says that they became afraid. Verse 10 says that the men became extremely frightened. And now in verse 16, it says the men feared the Lord greatly. It means to shudder or to be in awe of. They have just witnessed a miracle. When you see someone come to Christ, when you see one put their faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to know you witness a miracle. We need to develop a healthy fear. How do I know this? Well, because their actions showed that they did. They sacrificed to the Lord of Jonah as a way to show their reverence to this God that they have now encountered. They wanted to be a godly person <laughs> when they realized who God was. If you want to be a godly person, then show God by your actions. Stop participating in things you know are not honoring to God. If you have the Spirit of God who lives in you, then act like it. Make a vow to God because He is worth it. The human sacrifice that was made on Jonah's part was what was needed to put Jonah in a place where he would no longer run from God and 
rather fight fight against God, but rather plead with God and be obedient to God. Worship always gives to God. Worship is not getting from God, but giving to God. We need to develop a healthy worship of God. Simply do as God has commanded, commissioned. By doing that, you prove to live out worship. Romans 12, 1, Therefore, I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you, brothers, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You see, my workers failed to do as they were told. They decided to do what they wanted and how they wanted. Because of what they did, it cost the company over $1 million. Did I fire them? No. They made a mistake, a very large mistake. And it allowed me to bring them to a place of reconciliation, and they learned a valuable lesson that day. You see, God places Jonah overboard for the purpose of bringing him back to himself. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. We have seen the human sacrifice that had to take place on Jonah's behalf to save these sailors. We saw these men in their own efforts trying to save themselves, but wasn't until they did it God's way that they were brought to safety. Have you looked to Christ today for your salvation? For God says there is no other name under heaven which has been given to men by which we must be saved. It's not by your works. It's not by your deeds, it's not by your efforts, lest Christ die needlessly in Galatians 2.21. Jesus went to the cross at Calvary, and he took your place. He was your substitute, where the raging wrath of God should have been poured out on you and me, but instead Christ took that wrath upon himself. Though Jonah's life to these men was was lost at sea, God called a great fish to come and to keep him safe. Listen, Jonah went down to Joppa. Jonah went down into the bottom of the boat. Jonah is now going down into the depths of the sea, into the belly of the fish where he would be three days and three nights. What a wonderful picture of Christ to come. Though, though we lift up our Savior, Upon the cross, which he became the human sacrifice, they would place him into a grave. And though people would think he's gone, though people would think he is dead, three days later, three days, three nights, he would be resurrected from the dead to prove he was who he claimed to be. Listen, don't live in your own ability, your own desires, your own methodologies. It will only cause storms. Many of the storms you're facing this morning is because of you. You have put that on yourself. But God can remove it. If you'll just trust in Christ, Christ will fight your battle. Listen, the grave couldn't hold him, and now... No one will stop him from coming back either. Oh, he's coming back. And it will be absolutely wonderful, but it will be absolutely terrifying. It just depends on which side of the line you're on. 
Listen, we need to develop a healthy fear of God, a healthy reliability on God, and a healthy worship of God. Because just like Jonah, God will call us to do something someday and without fear, reliance, and true worship. We will lean toward running in the wrong direction. And who knows what it will be the cost. May we never run. Listen, my guys never in their life would have thought their decision would have cost that much. But it did. Spare yourself the trouble, my friend, and do it God's way. Because you may not be able to pay the penalty of doing it on your own. Father God, thank you for today. I pray you bless this message. You you use it to reach far and wide to call people to your knowledge of truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.